Hey guys, this is Justin from The Prince of Memegypt. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Prince of Memegypt and on Twitter at Internet Moses. You're listening to Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad on the Tall, Friendly Atheist Dad podcast, guaranteed to be gluten-free. Hello, good afternoon. My name is Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad and host of the Tall, Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. And welcome to a very quick uh, Christmas-themed, off-the-cuff episode that, well, look, uh, I was going through my Instagram and my mate Justin, Justin B., uh, he posted a reel from uh, another Justin B., this time Justin Brearley, who seems to be an apologist, who made this very uh, fairly quick 30, 30-second, 30 45-second clip. Uh, explaining three re- three reasons why the birth of Jesus is not just a fairy tale. So what I'll do is I'll play the clip and then I'll respond to sp- specific points made by Justin Brearley. But here we go. Isn't the story of Jesus' virgin birth just a fairy tale? No. And here's three reasons. One, the birth narratives of Matthew and Luke are told as history. Luke says he's interviewed the people close to the events to write an orderly account. And the story is embedded in places and historical events that stack up. Two, why would you make up an unplanned pregnancy? Jesus was conceived before Joseph and Mary were married. That would have been a scandal in that day and age. Far from helping their cause, it would have been an embarrassment for early Christians. But they told the story the way it happened. Three, if I was telling a story about God becoming human, he'd be a mighty king in a palace. But at Christmas, God came as a baby, born to a poor couple in a borrowed stable and spent the rest of his life living among the most marginalised. You know what? If there is a God and he came in person, I think that story makes more sense than anything I could make up. All right, so three, uh, <laughs> so three very quick apolog- three very quick apologetics. So he starts off with the with the uh, rhetorical question: Is the story of Jesus' birth just a fairy tale? No, not a fairy tale. I would say it's an excellent example of myth making. And there's a few reasons why. Uh, a few reasons why I consider it to be myth rather than. Uh, rather than historical account. Now, this is this isn't to say that Jesus that there wasn't a Jesus, a person who the stories were based on. I'm not going into I'm not going to discuss mythicism at the moment, but I think it's fairly. I don't think I'm saying anything controversial when I say that the virgin birth of Jesus was a uh, a myth, a legend, a fable. I don't I don't want to say fairy tale. Um, I can see why like fairy tale is a very colloquial word that we use to describe things that aren't, aren't true. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say fairy tale, just a very good example of myth-making. So let's go through the three apologetics, and I'll shoot off the cuff um, as I think about it, and let's see how we go. If Jesus' virgin birth, just a fairy tale? No. And here's three reasons. One, the birth narratives of Matthew and Luke are told as history. Luke's- okay, so the fact that they're told as history doesn't make them historically true. Uh, and pro- probably my favourite counterexample of all this is Gone with the Wind. Uh, Gone with the Wind uh, takes place in a real location. It mentions real people, uh, mentions real events. But that does not mean that Scarlett O'Hara was a, was a real person. <laughs> so we got to we have to um, yeah be careful that 
Just because some details stack up doesn't mean everything stacks up. Uh, for example, if I said 2 plus 2 equals 4 and uh, I have a million dollars in the bank, does that mean I have a million dollars in the bank just because 2 plus 2 equals 4? Well, no. So let's see what, what else uh, this, this first point. Interviewed the people close to the events to write an orderly account. Okay, so Luke, sa Luke says he will he interview people close to the events to write an orderly account. Yes, he can say he or he interviewed people close to the events, but does that mean those events happened? <laughs> and I would say I would say no. And one of the one of my favorite counter examples with regards to all this is Mormonism. And there's actually there's actually a quote I found. Uh, from a website called uh, bookofmormoncentral.org, and it's from a page uh, that's titled Why Did Mormon Give So Many Details About Geography? And I'm going to re read a quote from that, from that website. All this geographical information not only adds another layer of complexity, but also strengthens the sense that the text describes a true historical reality. As John L. Sorensen pointed out in 2002, Inconsistencies that might be expected of a fraudulent work are notably absent in the Book of Mormon. On the other hand, it seems unlikely that this consistency could have been obtained unless the author or authors had directly experienced some particular real-world setting, not an imaginary place. As a youthful traveller, long-time military leader and trusted steward over a library of sacred records, Mormon certainly had intimate and direct experience with the landscape and information about it. Despite the destruction reported in 3 Nephi 8-9, he knew and recognised many of the lands, rivers, valleys, mountains, waters and seas mentioned in his historical sources. Having worked on this record with his father, Moroni also went out of his way to testify that their record is true and that they lie not. Moroni 10.26 So, just because something is presented as historical as, as historical record, and just because some details stack up, and just because someone says that I <laughs> that they interviewed people, doesn't mean that it's it may lend credence to the idea that the events described are true, but it doesn't mean the events described are true. Because one thing we're missing from Luke, even though he says he interviewed people, doesn't mean he actually interviewed people. Because yeah, I, I could I could write that I interviewed people who said that they saw Hulk Hogan beat up Bruce Lee in in the desert, for example. Without a I suppose without corroborating evidence that what the witnesses were saying is true, it. Yeah, it doesn't mean that it is. And probably the the other counterpoint I'll make is that why do Matthew only Matthew and Luke describe a virgin birth? Uh, I, I find that particular um, I find that particular tidbit interesting because in Mark, Mark only describes adult. Uh, uh, Mark only describes Jesus's adulthood. It makes no mention of uh, Jesus. Being born to a virgin and having to flee to uh, Egypt to you know evade uh, evade the uh, ro the Roman king, 
um, all that kind of stuff. And not, neither does John. In Mark, uh, yeah, basically Jesus is a, an ordinary guy who gets adopted by God, for want of a better word. Whereas in John, Jesus just decides to turn up. So I find it interesting that... Isn't the story... Ah, the uh, I must have pressed something to send it back to the uh, to the uh, to the start of the video. But yeah, um, how can I say? Yeah, so in John, Jesus decides to turn up, and so I find it interesting that one of the most miraculous events in history, only two people bothered to report any details out of, and even then they don't get the details right. So in Matthew, yeah, Jesus conceived. Uh, three wise men come. Uh, G Joseph is then warned in a dream to take everyone away to uh, to Egypt. Whereas in Luke, first John is conceived, and you know John's father uh, is forced is made mute by an angel for the sin of disbelief. Um, then Mary gets pr Mary gets pregnant. Um, then when John and was well, sorry when. When John's mother and Mary are together, you know, people break out into song. And then when Jesus is born, the guy who was mute is suddenly not mute anymore. But there's no there's no mention of a trip to of, of a flight to Egypt. All they do is, you know, they, they go back home, they go about their, you know, they go about their, their lives as if there is as if there is no threat from the Roman king. And I find that the interesting. So like the, the witnesses in, in Matthew's account, not tell the same thing to the witnesses in Luke's account. Well, it's a, to Luke, you know, it's a, it is interesting. So let me just uh, mute this for a second. I really should find a, um, okay, so let me just, I'm just going, uh, I'm trying to play this off, off Instagram really doesn't, really doesn't help. Okay. Orderly account. And the story is embedded in places and historical events that stack up. Two, why would you make up an unplanned pregnancy? Jesus was conceived before Joseph and Mary were married. Uh, correct, yes, yes. And the reason for that is because Matthew writes that... Uh, Matthew writes uh, to... He basically writes Jesus to fulfill the prophecy in Isaiah 7, 14, 14 that the virgin will, will bear a child. Never mind the fact that the verse quoted is a mistranslation of the original. Uh, in the in the original, uh, in Isaiah seven fourteen, the the word is actually more maiden rather than rather than virgin. Uh, a maiden can just be a, a young woman of childbearing age. It doesn't necessarily mean uh, you know with regards to uh, sexual activity. Whereas in the Greek, in the Septuagint that Matthew was copying from, it uses the word specifically for virgin. And so, yeah, and so the story had to take place before Mary was married in order to, in order to ensure that Jesus was born of a virgin. And so that's why, you know. Um, the other thing to bear in mind is that uh, Christianity was essentially a countercultural Judaic messianic revolution. It wasn't trying to, it wasn't trying to influence society like uh, Christians are now. What they were trying to do was basically prepare people for an apocalypse, and so they didn't really care about social norms. 
So, yeah, so it's really like just because we might be embarrassed by certain details doesn't mean that they were. That would have been a scandal in that day and age. Far from helping their cause, it would have been an embarrassment for early. But having having said that, um, numerous uh, numerous uh, demigods were born of a of a virgin. This is the thing. It's a very it was a very common trope in um, in Greco Roman mythology that you know the hero was born of a born of a virgin and you underwent like thing, things that don't seem to take place for a hero. You know. Um, yeah, just so it's not necessarily, uh, you know, how can I say? Again, like they weren't trying to appeal to, um, how can I say? The early Christians weren't trying to appeal to the wider to the wider culture in order to say, look, guys, you know, we'd really like it if you if you joined us. Early Christianity was essentially an offshoot of Judaism that. I'm going to say got lucky, but yeah, that's. But again, like they, I I can see the inspiration they got from uh, other from other cultures, and so I wouldn't be surprised if this was uh, the the intent behind the uh, behind the story. But they told the story the way it happened. Because, because of course, because of course, and number three is a very interesting apologetic. If I was telling a story about God becoming human, he'd be a mighty king in a palace. But at Christmas, God came as a baby, born to a poor couple in a borrowed stable and spent the rest of his life living among the most marginalised. You know what? If there is a God and he came in person, I think that story makes more sense than anything I could make up. Okay, so his last apologetic is that the, sto the story of Jesus' birth isn't made up because if I wrote the story, I would write something different. Therefore, the story of Jesus' virgin birth is true. And that's a very, uh, that's a very weak apologetic, my friend. Uh, firstly, you know, <laughs> lots of things happen in history that, you know, don't go along with what you think should happen <laughs> for, for a start. Um Secondly, is that this person is not a Hellenized Jew living in in the Palestinian territory uh, under Roman occupation. And having said that, we have to bear in mind that the early Christians were Hellenized Jews who were living in Judea under, uh, well, not not necessarily in Judea, but yeah, by the time. Um, the yeah, Christianity started to spread, you know, but the idea was that. Well, she was going to say Pauline, Paul's Christianity is actually kind of different to um, the, the Christianity of the Gospels, because in Paul's Christianity, you know, there's no mention of a teacher who came down to earth to perform miracles and do all, do all that kind of stuff, or who had disciples and said all these profound things. Paul's Jesus was essentially a, a, a guy, uh, well, a, a, a son of God who was crucified somewhere by evil people somewhere. Now you might say that, oh, Paul says that you know uh, Jesus was born of a, born of a woman, but th there are two problems with that uh, with that with that verse. 
the word for born is actually better translated as made or, or, or manufactured, not necessarily born. Uh, and the other, the other thing is that the, the woman in that context represents worldviews, uh, one of freedom and one of, of slavery. And so when, Jesus, when Paul says Jesus was born of a woman, basically Paul is saying that Jesus was, uh, was made into a worldview that represented slavery. So yeah, so if you read that, read the whole passage where uh, Paul says Jesus was born of a woman, you see that the woman he's referring to are metaphorical women, not literal women. So yeah, that's probably number three is that the whole argument is metaphorical rather than a literal Jesus was born. Yeah, so just keep just keep that in mind. But yeah, um, this guy also has very little understanding of how of the Greco-Roman mon- the Greco-Roman but the monomyth, the, the hero's journey. Where, um, you know, it was very common for demigods and uh, you know, people who uh, were ascribed greatness to start off as. So, usually, usually the hero is the son or sometimes daughter of a king or or a deity. Um, they're born. Uh, usually to parents who were somewhat related, and we can see in uh, in Jesus' Jesus example the two the two lineages of Mary and Joseph indicate that they were uh, I think second cousins. Uh, we also see that uh, they were spirit. So one of the other one of the other tropes is that the young child was spirited away when they were young, and yes, we see that in the Gospels. Uh, we see betrayal by followers. Yeah, that's another thing we see in in Jesus. Jesus' example, another thing is apotheosis, post-mortem apotheosis, in that either their body is taken away or that when they're resurrected, they are elevated to another level of glory. And that is something that happens with Jesus. So, yeah, so just because Justin Brearley can't think of, or just because Justin Brearley would imagine a king in a palace, (laughs) it doesn't mean that Jesus was definitely born of a virgin. I find that really interesting apologetic. Um, yeah, was, I did have a uh, another 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 thought on that. Um, yeah, if I do do remember it, I'll, I'll I'll bring it back up. But yeah, it's just <laughs> it's uh, no, I just I just find that a very uh, just a very weird argument that yeah, just because I I can't think of uh, just because they didn't do it the way I imagined it doesn't mean. Um, yeah, and we see that Jesus fits so many of the uh, the hero's journey tropes. Uh, we also see with, like, for example, Romulus. Romulus was yeah had a lowly had a lowly birth. So this is from Plutarch's Parallel Lives. Uh, Romulus had a lowly birth. Romulus was a leader. Romulus was in one version of the story he was betrayed by his brother. I think in another one he uh, he was defeated for whatever reason. Then you know he dies, and then Romulus comes back. He sends to glory uh, to the point that. To the point that the city of Rome is named after Romulus, and just to prove uh, prove a point, we actually have Romulus's tomb as well. We don't we don't have a tomb for Jesus. <laughs> so yeah, it's um yeah. And as I said, Justin Brearley is not a, a Hellenized Jew. And so this is the other the other thing I was trying I was about to say was that early early Christianity was well, so I should say uh, post gospel Christianity 
was a messianic uh, messianic Jewish cult. You know, they were expecting the world to end, uh, you know, imminently. You do hear Jesus. You do hear Jesus say in numerous gospels that, um, you know. Yeah, certainly this this generation will not pass away before they see the Son of Man coming in the glory with with the angels, you know, and like pray that it does not happen during winter, and you know, woe woe to those who, um, you know, woe to those who are you know who are pregnant, you know, stuff stuff like that, you know. So the the people of the time were expecting a um, yeah, a revol- a revolution. And that's, I think, possibly why Jesus came riding on a donkey was, you know, to signify he is a king. And I do then find it interesting that the people turned on their king. It's a you know, very, which is another trope of the story. People turn on the, people turn on the. So anyway, um, that is Justin Brearley's three uh, interesting reasons why he doesn't believe the story of Jesus is made up. And but he hasn't actually offered anything uh, more concrete than you know. Luke Luke says he interviewed people. The, the gospels have historical details that add up, and then oh, they reported it as having happened because they would be embarrassed if they said if they they made a silly story. They should be embarrassed, so therefore it happened. Well, the principle of embarrassment is only something really found in, in Christian Christian apologetics. So I find it's a very it's a very boutique, a very unique um, apologetics. So anyway, I've rambled on for long enough. Uh, I have been, I am still Damien, the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad, host of the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Whenever you're listening to this, I hope you are. I hope you do well. I hope you have a great, uh, great, safe, and just a relaxing Christmas, and that you know. Um. Yeah, that you, good good things happen to you, and that you feel better after in, in, into the new year. So yeah, I'm gonna say adios, and I'll see you in the. You'll, you'll hear me in the next episode. Cheers. Hit the music. <laughs>